Hi, Craig. How are you doing? Hello, Omar. Thanks for having me on. Hey, no worries at all. No worries at all. Uh, you know, I, 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 I say this often, um, and my audience are probably going to meme me at this point, uh, but I always say it's the weirdest feeling talking to somebody for God knows how long, and in the middle of our conversation, we have to start as if we've only just met. It's the weirdest feeling. <laughs> I, I just can't get used to it. <laughs> Well, we have been chatting away there a little bit, but um, it is also, you know, we, we don't know each other, obviously. We've only just started um, getting to know each other previously, and I'm looking forward to helping you understand a little bit more about chiropractic. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. So, you know, for, for, for those of my audience who haven't had the pleasure of, you know, being able to talk to you and learn, and I've obviously done a lot of research about you guys as well before I even reached out. Um, why don't you tell my audience, who are you, what do you do, and um, uh, what, what's your company about? So my name is Craig McLean, and I'm the founder of Cairo London, uh, which is a small, we are six clinics in southwest London, um, and we are like a chiropractic-specific offering, okay? So uh, I've always liked to keep the offering of what we do as a, as a very simple offering and so that if you come into one of our clinics, you know you're going to get quality chiropractic um, and it's going to be done well. Um, so, but over the last, uh, I've been running specifically Putney Chiropractic Centre was our first clinic that I took over in 2002. I've been in the UK uh, since 99, and you may well hear a little twang that's still going on in my uh, accent, which is an Aussie accent. So I'm a Aussie born and bred and trained chiropractor myself. Uh, I have 25 years experience of practice. I, in fact, just before the world went into uh, sort of whatever it did in March last year, I had my 25th anniversary of uh, the students of, all, of my university got back together again, which is an amazing time of getting 100 people back together again and to see their journeys wow. in chiropractic. Um, however, um, yeah, we now have around 20 chiropractors working in six different locations across. Uh, there's one clinic in Marlebone and the others are in southwest suburbs of London. And it's been a really nice journey of it all. It kind of all started because when I was practicing in the one doc, well, there was three doctors, three doctors of chiropractic in Putney. And quite often I'd get this patient traveling all the way over London and sort of going, well, you know, you guys seem to be the best in the business. Um, is there anyone you can recommend to me more centrally? And then it, it, even within my profession, I found it quite difficult to refer to a good chiropractor. Um, and I think mm. it sounds like we're going to go down that path of trying to work out what is a good chiropractor. So I'm happy to help listeners out with that. But that's kind of how it came about. How If I can somehow provide and control the experience of what the offering of what chiropractic, what I feel like it should be, and if I can replicate that in some way, uh, then I feel like I'm also helping way more people than I possibly can with one set of hands. Uh, and so, you know, now five years in and, and the, the multiple clinics later, um, I feel like I'm on the way to being able to achieve that. So, yeah, Cairo London is our brand name. You'll be able to see it uh, online. Um, we even have a little podcast 
which I started as a lockdown Cheeky project. Plug. it's very much uh small fry um compared to some that are out there including your good (laughs) self oh no you're too Uh, kind (laughs) but yeah so uh no i'm looking forward to having a bit of a conversation about what i see uh chiropractic should be or actually Mm. what it even is you know um and then evolving it from there to start at the very basic level of of understanding of of what a chiropractor does who should see a chiropractor when is it appropriate when is it maybe not appropriate and um, helping people maybe understand a little bit more about their own challenges of the of their spine so yeah yeah i think it's i you know generally speaking i i I feel as though that there's just you know, this, this, this terrible misconception when it comes to chiropractic practices. And, you know, I was, I was talking to a, um, a really great uh, cosmetic doctor uh, a few weeks ago. Her name is Dr. Rona Eskander. She's, you know, incredibly young for what she's achieved in her, in her life. And, you know, doctors have always been... Have you seen the Hangover movies? Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay. You know, the character, the dentist, and he, they, they're always telling him you're not a real doctor and stuff like that. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that there's something similar with uh, chiropractic uh, practitioners where, unfortunately, the environment, the uh, the community uh, traditionally has always kind of said, oh, you're not a real doctor. You, you know, it's it's pretty much it's like a, a witch doctor practice and stuff like that, which it really isn't. And it only takes a small amount of time uh, to understand that you don't even need to talk to a professional like yourself to understand that that isn't necessarily the case but for me whenever I'm curious about something um, and I want to kind of go down that rabbit hole for me it 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 kind of makes more sense when I'm talking to someone like yourself to wonder what made you curious why did you decide to dedicate 25 years of your life into this particular thing what 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 happened (laughs) what was your turning point Great question. And uh, it's one that I ask all of the chiropractors who want to come and work for us uh, as probably the first question I ask them, because it really gives some insight into why they've decided to do what they do. But for me, I was, I was always, I, I kind of, I, I went straight from high school into university, didn't even have a gap mm. year, went straight into studying chiropractic. So at a very young age, I somehow discovered that I actually have a quite a natural um, belief or confidence in the natural healing ability of the human body. Indeed. So uh, that came about from, uh, and I, I didn't necessarily, my parents were not the kind of like full natural upbringing sort of people, you know, they were pretty standard mm. Aussie folk. Um, but, uh, as I got towards the end of my secondary school, I was like, what am I going to do and what really appeals to me? And so it was then I went observing, I I kind of had this idea that I wanted to go down a healthcare field. And so I went and observed some time in um, hospitals, some time, um, with some doctors, uh, medical doctors and some time with, um, chiropractors. And it only really dawned on me that actually chiropractic simply put is kind of like almost like the if with a one with your pair of hands you can somehow impact the health of the person's body with simply using your hands okay there is no and in fact even though chiropractic is a treatment which is effectively delivered to you 
it's trying to, at its purest form, just stimulate the own the the healing powers from within the body itself. Okay, and so that's what really appealed to me was that idea of if I could make a difference in someone's health by just purely using my hands, um, I'm all over doing that as a profession. And wh- why do you? Because it sounds almost like a like a you know without without with risking of sounding evangelistic. You know, I, 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 I definitely don't want to sound like that, but it sounds as though that this is almost like a, a miracle type thing, right? For people who have particular ailments with regards to the spine. And from what I understand that, you know, chiropractors can deal with far more than just spine issues. You know, everything leads off the spine at the end of the day. Um, it's all about body alignment and skeletal alignment, musculoskeletal alignment and stuff like that. But we can definitely get into that. I'd love to pick your brain on that. Um, but you know, it's very, very enticing for, I think, everybody to not undergo intervening surgery. You know, surgery that's going to go in, you're going to go under the knife, uh, you're probably going to have a huge formation of scar tissue, it's not going to be great, you're going to be out of the game for a while. What? Why do you feel as though that the healthcare sector, uh, less so now, but why do you feel as though that they have been quite sceptical and maybe reserved in accepting the abilities of chiropractic practices and that, you know, you can do a lot just with the human hands? I, th- I think it really comes down to the fact that chiropractors um, operate within this really quite unique way within the provision of healthcare within a community, okay? And so especially in the UK, um, as I said before, I'm an Aussie, and so I've seen a slightly different healthcare system in Australia as I was um, training to be a chiropractor. But chiropractors have always been sat right on the fence with regards to being able to offer what is perceived by some as a mainstream um, kind of musculoskeletal offering, which works very well with um, the the medical GP referral system whereby the GP knows you have back pain, knows that they're, you know, maybe even that GP themselves has a favourite chiropractor that they're going to themselves right. and then they end up going, you've got to go and see my man, he's brilliant, you know what I mean? Um, and sort of has, <laughs> has that kind of direct you know, medical type of situation where you have a dysfunction of one part of the spine and it's kind of, uh, you know, there's a lot of research to back up the effectiveness of a chiropractic adjustment and we can go into that a bit as well. But at the other uh, other side of the fence, as you're sat right on the fence, you can also uh, offer in the same practice uh, the that what I touched on as to why I became a chiropractor in the first place, the idea of the body can be healthier if the brain is better connected with the rest of the body. Okay. So the, obviously the, and this is my definition of chiropractic is we are a bone nerve specialist. Mm -hmm. Okay. Putting it really simply, we look for blockages in the spine and in the movement of the spinal bones and how that uh, interferes with the messages that are communicated from the brain to the rest of the body. Uh, and so that's where, um, you know, yes, a joint can be painful and be blocked and not moving and not functioning very well, but it can also be interfering the nervous system in all sorts of different ways as well. Now, that actually, though, is where we also, as a profession, get into a bit of trouble sometimes um, because sure. um, there are those 
within our profession because there's obviously a spectrum of offering out there. And there are those that really uh, stretch the boundaries of what is maybe acceptable in terms of uh, declaring that it is a all-curing, you know, elixir, I love that word, um, for everything, you know. Um, you can come and see me and I'll cure you of this and that and whatever, you know. Um, and, you know, when you start doing that, that is a direct, uh, it's an abrasive message for those in the medical paradigm, okay. And, mm. um uh, especially when you call yourself a doctor, um, when oh, you're yeah. not actually officially a doctor of medicine. And in fact, the term doctor, because we should probably just ap- approach that front on in the same way that you're, I guess, an officially you're a doctor if you're a dentist as well, right? So um, Indeed. Chiro- the, the chiropractic uh, in the US, which is where it originated from, um, the degree you get from university over there is called a, do- a doctor of chiropractic. So. Right. You quite often see Craig McLean, DC, and DC just means doctor of chiropractic. Um, now, um, you know, th- there's that, that classic thing of like, but you're not even a real doctor. Um, yes, we are not doctors of medicine, um, and we need to make that super clear. Um, our regulatory body, the General Chiropractic Council, does allow the term doctor to be used so long as you say Dr. Craig McLean chiropractor afterwards okay so then there can be no misinterpretation that dr craig mclean is a medical doctor or has some sort of medical training okay um yeah so i don't know look i've covered a lot there do you want to pick that apart (laughs) yeah totally so you know it's 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 fairly interesting to me where i i want to kind of go back to this whole nerve and 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 spine and bone specialist right because when i when i talk to people and i've i've kind of conversed i mean i i i I am not exaggerating when i say i've probably received close to three thousand messages over the last six months from listeners who are interested in chiropractic practices but there are three categories that are kind of muddled and I want to help I want you to help me untangle this mess. We have chiropractors, we have osteopaths, and we have individuals who do sport massages. Those are the three kind of things that seem to be muddled up and I think I think that this is because of things like YouTube and Instagram and Snapchat that show people cracking people's backs and clicking their necks, and they identify themselves as all sorts of different things. You have chiropractors doing that. You have ART specialists, which I think is a form of sports massage or sports therapy. Uh, You have osteopaths doing that. And all of this has formed an extraordinary conflation of professions. So what's what's the difference what's going on are they all doing the same thing or you know should you be going to one over the other or why should you be going to to any yeah so uh as i said when we were chatting earlier uh i do have after finally 25 years of being a chiropractor a very simple explanation of that question that i get a lot um especially that one what is the difference between a chiropractor and an osteopath so i've already mentioned that the chiropractor is the bone nerve expert Okay, so think about chiropractor as bones and nerves. Think about osteopaths as bones and muscles. Okay, 
And then thirdly, the group uh, sports rehabilitation, and I also include physiotherapy in that because that's the, the almost the third bigger uh, regulated health profession or you know um, complementary health service is the the physiotherapy, the sports massage, the sports rehabilitation, and there are more and more. Like there's the uh, you know the 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 sports science guys and sports rehabilitation is is a, yes is is something that is an offshoot of almost the physiotherapy, you know. Um, but anyway, so all of I, I kind of almost can chunk those guys all together in a group and say that they are more of a rehabilitation-based expert, okay? So if you're going to go and, uh, and, and maybe let's, let's sort of pull all of that part. So if we've got the bone nerve doc is the chiropractor, the bone muscle guy is the osteopath, and rehabilitation is the, all the rest of the physio, sports rehab, massage stuff, okay? Um, now, um, when you see traditionally a chiropractor, most chiropractors, and not all, do a very specific chiropractic adjustment. They're really highly skilled and highly trained in the ability to do this chiropractic adjustment, which massively impacts the uh, nervous system. Okay. Where okay, what, what, what is a chiropractic adjustment? Uh, before you kind of carry on, what, what is that? What do, you, what do you mean by chiropractic adjustment? Well, I'm sure many people may have been on the TikTok uh, or the YouTube and let's put it um, down as like that when you hear a cracking or a clicking sound coming from the spine, that is one way to actually uh, impart some movement into a part of the spine which has not been moving properly previously. Okay. Sure. So if okay. if you've seen that guy do the old YouTube, uh, has a million followers because people just love the crack. Um, mm. <laughs> they're addicted yeah, to watching the crack. You know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so in in a a raw form, that's what an adjustment is. Okay. Okay. Um, but like uh, a lot of things, there is also a spectrum of force used uh, in a chiropractic adjustment. Okay, so you can have a very light touch. Even some there are devices which import uh, impart a you know almost a vibration or a um, or, a, or a very directed force in a very low gentle fashion, um, all the way up to that guy you may have seen on YouTube who ties the belt around people's neck and yanks off their head and drags them across the uh, drags them across the bench, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but um, our offering is very much in the middle of all of that. Okay, which is uh, most of our chiropractors um, offer a. Uh, very safe and um, effective adjustment to the movement or dysfunction of the spine. And like learning a new habit, it's not a miracle cure, it's not a quick fix, but if you can sort of change a habit gradually over a period of time, you can see some sometimes drastic changes in people's function of their spine. And then that can have a knock-on effect to their nervous system. Okay. So... You know that that's the that's the, the 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 chiropractic side of things now. But where there's a confusion out there, because as a consumer, you've got like a back pain, and you're out there looking on Google, who should I go and see? Um, you do have those three main choices, and then you're like, well, maybe I should see an osteopath. You know, um, and where there's confusion between them is if you're looking at an osteopath work on this bench over here, 
and a chiropractor work on that one to the untrained eye, even though I've said one's a bone nerve expert and the other one's a bone muscle expert, there are similarities in what is actually being done. Um, mm. uh, however, this is where a lot of osteopaths, the appointment timings are sometimes a little bit longer. There's a little bit more muscle work involved in it a lot of times. And maybe the, the input to the spine is more of a slow stretch as opposed to a really rapid input. Um, you know, so that's a subtle difference between the two of them. But as I said, sometimes they look remarkably similar. Okay. Uh, and then thirdly, as I said, the, the physiotherapy side of things or the, the sports rehabbers, they're not, the, their whole training is not based around spinal input um, or, you know, the specific, as we call them, uh, adjustments or manipulations is another term. Um, some physiotherapists do do manipulation, which is then the other reason why it's a bit confusing because you yes. maybe go to a physio and they start crunching your back around the place and you're like, well, hang on a minute, I thought you were a physio. Um, but as a general generalisation, they basically do a more of a you have this problem Say, for example, you have a shoulder dislocation problem, for example. Yep, um, which I uh, do. You <laughs> and, you know, you have weakness of the muscles, you'd have uh, stretching of the ligaments, uh, you've got uh, an unstable joint, which needs some rehabilitation to build up some strength. And sometimes there are some very specific muscles that need um, some very uh, detailed work done on them to try and turn the function back on to that particular joint. Um, and mm. that's where the sports rehabbers and the physios are really at home. So how do I do? Understood. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes perfect sense actually. But I think if, if the thing is, is that I've, I'll tell you the kind of definition that I always thought, I, I always thought that, um, cause this is really quite interesting for me is I always thought that chiropractors were the specialists. Osteopaths were the ones that enjoy a, a bit of a crack here and there. Um, and the uh, sports rehabbers were there to help uh, muscle recovery for those engaging in athletic uh, practices. Um, you know, if you've got, uh, if you had a really tough workout to encourage recovery for the next day, to get blood back into that muscle, you go to a sports, um, uh, a sports therapist or a sports masseuse or whatever, the, whatever you want to call it. You go for a deep tissue. Um, so it's really interesting kind of, you know, I'm painting with an extremely broad brush here. So it's really interesting to kind of fill in those fine details and maybe even completely change those definitions. And I think the definitions that I have are probably something that's quite common out there of what most people think about those particular practices. But this might be quite difficult for you to answer, Craig, so feel free not to. But who is providing the most effective treatment out of those three? Um, or does everyone kind of work in specific ways for, for, spe for specific purposes? If you were to go and see one, who would you see? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's also another answer I give when someone sometimes asks, well, what is the difference between a, a chiropractor and an osteopath? Um, and I, I very simply put, well, obviously chiropractors are way better than osteopaths. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. No, but no, all no, jokes but I mean, aside, is, is, that, is that the truth? I mean, can, can a chiropractor do everything that an osteopath does but better? Because that, that's the idea that I have. 
No, I think it's sort of doing a bit of a disservice to the osteopaths, you know, and, and I think the, um, you know, because, uh, for example, using my training as an example, and Australia is a little bit different in that, uh, you know, I know in London, for example, there's a school of osteopathy uh, and there are different sort of colleges of chiropractic around the country. But in Melbourne, okay. in Australia, the university offers uh, what is effectively a degree in um, the chiropractic and osteopathy, o- osteopathy degrees for the first three years, pretty much do exactly the same subjects. Is that right? And then they branch apart in the last um, two or three years uh, once they become clinically doing very different things. Um, so it's it's not, you know, I, I think obviously I'm a chiropractor and I'm going to be biased towards thinking that chiropractors are, are um, you know, a superior offering, but I am definitely biased on that. Um, uh, however, I think what it comes down to, and this is where you need to sort of ask yourself or any of your listeners who are like, well, who should I go and see? Um, mm. There are amazingly skilled and talented osteopaths out there, okay, and there are of rubbish course. ones, um, and they're the same with the chiropractors. There are sort of amazing, very similar to what chiro- you just mentioned with chiropractors, yeah, yeah, uh, and there are rubbish chiropractors out there too. And so it's like, um, it's it's. Uh, I think what we should do is is well, maybe I should try and directly answer that that question. Is that um, as a general rule? If you feel as though you have a spinal problem uh, which has some sort of nerve involvement, definitely go to the chiropractor, okay? Mm. If you feel as though you have a spinal problem which has some sort of link to a muscular component, you might be better off looking down uh, an osteopathic um, uh, side of things as well. Because without a doubt, um, as I said, I did touch on this earlier, a lot of osteopaths, their appointment times are a little bit longer and they do a little bit more massage associated with the visit, right? Um, whereas our our sort of deep tissue work, um, we do work with sports rehabbers and we'd see it as a complementary service where you're seeing a chiropractor sure. and doing some sports rehabilitation or deep tissue work at the same time. However, it's kind of that thing, you know, if you're out there and you're like, well, I really love a massage – um, maybe I can combine the two with this like amazing osteopath that I've heard a lot of stuff about, right? Yeah. Maybe think about that, okay? And then, sure. but then if you're like, actually the, the other thing, and, and this is a, a big point of difference of which probably does set chiropractors a little bit apart from osteopaths is our ability to, we have a very unique situation whereby we can uh, clinically recognize a person needs um, a set of x-rays to have a look at their spine, right? Simply put, chiropractors use x-rays, osteopaths don't. Is that right? Yeah. So within our uh, three of our six clinics have a digital x-ray facility on site uh, and um, we use that. We, We also, like through our training, we have the ability to refer to ourselves like you know if you imagine you go to your gp right and you want an x-ray of your shoulder the gp is the person who refers to the radiographer who then um, at the hospital they take the x-ray of your shoulder so the radiographer is the person pressing the button Uh, then that x-ray is sent off to the radiologist who then does a report on the x-ray and then that report then comes back to the gp who then reads the report doesn't ever really look at the x-ray just reads the report and says oh yes you do have a broken bone in your shoulder it was a bit more than just a dislocation 
you know. Um, so chiropractors have the ability and skill to be able to see if it's clinically necessary to have an x-ray, actually press the button ourselves as well, then report on the x-ray and read it, um, being able to tell if it's perfectly normal, if there is some sort of bone trauma or misalignment or even at worst some sort of bone cancer that's actually causing the problem. Mm. Um, and then lastly, um, yeah, sort of I guess write that report and, uh, you know, do the uh, get a fuller understanding of what's actually going on. So you don't ever really get that um, unless it's through the GP communication with the GP with a physio or an osteopath. Um, yeah. So I'm glad that's I remembered amazing. that point of difference. Yeah, that that's that's pretty huge actually for me. Is you know because that was going to be because I, I, I'm I'm writing notes as we're kind of talking, um, uh, just as you know points of reference for me to 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 kind of pick your brain on it uh, later. And one of the notes that I have written here is, um, do you guys use X-rays? Um, uh, purely because I think that there's this again there's you know because of these guys who have just become goodness me, you know, celebrities on, on YouTube and TikTok um, because they're out there doing this ASMR stuff, right? You know, people want to hear that crack and they find it extremely satisfying. Uh, and you kind of have this idea that maybe these guys have got x-ray fingers. You know, you don't really see what they're doing behind. All you see is them saying, oh yeah, L4, L5 is out of line. Okay, yep. Oh, I can feel this over there. And, you know, move your head to the left. Oh yeah. Oh, the Atlas is out of place and stuff like that. So... You know, it's 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 interesting to know that you guys are using X-rays. So, you know, I I think what I'm kind of taking away for this particular thing is, I think it's probably a good idea to see a chiropractor. In my in my opinion, um, regardless of whether you're feeling this kind of muscular pain or a nerve pain or whatever it might be, just to be on the safer side. Because according to me, it seems as though that chiropractors are generally speaking, if you're going to Cairo London, for example, are kind of going that step further, that clinical step further in making sure that everything is okay and that whatever you're doing to address the problem is the correct solution for that problem. Uh, that's kind of what I'm getting out of this so far. Um, am I on the right? Would you, would you say that that's a fair understanding to have? Yeah, and, and I think um, I've undersold chiropractors offering as well because even though i say i'm the bone nerve expert guess what yes. the very first thing that most nerves do when they leave the spine is they go well certainly the motor nerves go straight into a muscle and Indeed. affect the operation of that muscle okay so even though i'm saying that we're not getting a lot of massage at um, chiropractors there is a huge impact that can be achieved on the function of muscles if you get a proper nerve supply and a proper functioning segment of the spine linked into that particular nerve. So, sure. yeah, um, certainly diagnosing the problem, having access to imaging, um, all of the Cairo London x-rays are also actually reported on just as a backup anyway by a musculoskeletal radiologist um, who is a medical wow. specialist. Um, so they all get reported on anyway. So just in case our training isn't enough to um, detect and it doesn't happen very often, but you know certainly um, it has happened a couple of occasions where there is, a dodgy looking spinal bone and it turns out to be some sort of cancer of the bone. Um, mm. And that's the sort of thing that um, 
you know, is very rare, but is, you know, one of the reasons that, that we use it really, because if you're going to impart a force into the spine, no matter, even if it is fairly gentle, I think it's a really good idea to know what you're dealing with. Yeah, probably. I I, I, I concur, <laughs> to be completely <laughs> honest, you know, um, you know, all, all it takes is, you know, just pushing in the wrong place because you don't know something is there or you don't know what the actual situation is. And that's it. You know, two or three days later, this person might not be able to walk, you know, so it's it, you have to be careful. And, you know, I agree with you. I do. I do think that um, because I, I, I have done quite a bit of research on the on chiropractic practices and you guys are extremely knowledgeable when it comes to muscular um impediments as well now one one question that kind of comes to me is and this is this is another this is an observation that i've made right so i i work in the tech field um uh, i used to work in finance i now i now work in tech and listen we are at our desks all day every day we are hunched over our computers. Uh, we are taught to use our phones like this, right? Who's using their phone like that? Nobody. You know, I know I have to use my phone like that and I don't use it like that. And the reason is, is because it's socially unacceptable. If I'm sitting on a train and I'm sitting there, sitting in front of someone like that, it looks like I'm taking a picture of them. You know, so I don't, so I don't, I, I, I don't do that. No, no, none of us do it. You know, we, we, we try our best, but at the end of the day, we have shoulder pains, we have neck pains, we have lower back pain. You know, as I mentioned to you earlier, I'm a tall guy. I'm, I'm just over six foot four. You know, I have, a, but I'm, I'm young, I'm 25 and I've got bloody lower back problems. You know, it's, and, and it's because of this sedentary lifestyle that we now live. You know, people go to the gym, but then, the, and, and this is, this is an interesting thing that I've kind of noticed is, People spend in the and I'm talking about myself as well. We spend the entire day at the desk, particularly as a result of lockdown as well. We spend the entire day at our desk. Our muscles and our skeletons are now fixed in that position. They're they're getting used to that. They're adapting to this new kind of position that we're taking. You know, evolutionary, we're not made to really be sitting around all day. We're meant to be on our feet, moving around, burning calories, hunting for food. You know, uh, and 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 doing crazy things like that. This. This sedentary lifestyle is new in the evolution of humans. It's only been in the last, you know, 80, 90, 100 years where this has kind of come out. But, you know, we, we spend hours and hours and hours sitting at a desk and then we decide to go to the gym for half an hour. In some people's circumstances, push incredible amounts of weight and put a tremendous amount of resistance on your body. And then we go back and sit right back down in a chair again. And I don't think that's very good for your muscles because you're, you're having a problem now. You're sending all these mixed signals to your body. Uh, your body doesn't really know what to do. And that's when you start to have these, these terrible aches and pains. And I think everyone suffers from them. So when I hear about chiropractic practices and people seeing a chiropractor as a niche thing, my brain kind of goes to everyone that I know suffers from headaches, from migraines, uh, from neck problems, shoulder issues, everyone's got bad posture. I can count on one hand how many people I know that have got a beautiful posture. Um, right now, I can't think of anyone that I know. You know, everyone's like that. They all, you know, it's, it's, it's not looking too good. So I feel as though that, and why I've been so excited about this episode is I think everyone should be seeing a chiropractor, maybe not regularly, but at least once or twice a year. 
you know, or something along the just something to make sure that you're 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 in order, that you're you're like like a car MOT, right? In the same way that you'd go to you'd go to yeah. the GP or you go to a dentist for a checkup. You know, this is your spine at the end of the day. When your spine goes, your your ability to be independent is gone as well. Your your life is essentially knackered after that. Um yeah. And I think it's terribly important for people to accept that fact. Mm. Look, a good little soundbite for exactly what you've described, and I think the dental profession did a very good job of associating with sugar and high sugary foods with bad, unhealthy teeth, right? So the analogy is sugar for the teeth is like sitting for the spine. Wow, that's brilliant. Yeah, get that on a T-shirt. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> no exactly and it's um because the spine like you said is not designed to sit around for hours on end um and our work our jobs our careers are more and more sedentary as every decade goes by um so i had a um in the middle of um pan, uh, lockdown one i had a couple of um journalists contact me and and one article ended up in the in the telegraph and I'm claiming to have coined the phrase during that interview, posture pandemic. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. Because the, uh, like the, the, I think the, the heading of that particular article was posture pandemic, you know, uh, whatever, you know, runs rife in, uh, in, in London life during lockdown. And sure. we just got chatting in a, you know, in a, in a telephone interview with this journalist and, um, and it just sort of slipped out. And I'm like, yeah, actually, we're not in a sort of like a global pandemic. We've got this posture pandemic because especially everyone's working from home, you know. So, yeah. Um, and there was, there was a bit of interest um, from journalists early on, of, you know, is there a change in what's coming through your door as a result of people um, staying at home? And yeah. Um, Exactly as you described, sitting for a lot of the day and, and then trying to exercise, not in a gym. And so your only options when you then exercise outside, most people just went for a run. Um, so yeah. sitting for 10 hours a day. Uh, and by the way, the British Chiropractic Association did a fairly detailed survey of what people's habits were at home. And Mm. I believe it was up to, I could be wrong with this, 40% of respondents said they worked from their bedroom. Jesus. Meaning um, most of them were in the bed. Yeah. (laughs) Which means they wake up, they pull the laptop out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, and, and partly that's down to the fact that Maybe they were sharing a house and there wasn't an office to go and work in. Yeah. So they had to, uh, you know, the, you couldn't be on a Zoom call on the kitchen table um, because there were three other people doing that. So, um, mm. you know, so, so uh, it's, it's definitely we were designed to move way more. Now, what I did want to pick you up on what you were describing there, though, and, and this is just because I've been looking at the world this way for 25 years. You were talking about mm. what impact does that have on the muscles of the body, right? Whereas I'm yes. like... I don't really care what effect it's having on the muscles of the body. What about the actual spine? What about the structure, the actual skeleton, the scaffold of your body? What is it doing yes. to that? Okay, Because when you get into a bit of a deeper understanding of what the spine needs to do to stay healthy is 
the actual bones of the spine itself and the joints are much healthier when they are moving because that's some in some cases the primary way they actually get a blood supply is through movement okay the movement of nutrition in and out of joints and bones of the spine is really aided by movement um, and so I'm not worried so much about what it's doing to the muscles and yes it does make them shorter and tighter in a lot of cases especially with poor posture but what is it actually doing to the skeleton what is it doing to the structure the thing that your whole body is built around what's it doing to that um, and that's where it comes into, well, if we can actually get the skeleton, if we can get the framework of your body improved in its function, and I thank you for your message of, I think, you know, as you said before, everyone should be at a chiropractor for some sort of MOT regularly. I agree. Um, but it's because of the fact that otherwise the spinal health will be hugely affected over time. And then the knock-on effect of that is poor nerve function, poor muscle function. Yeah, it's 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 really quite interesting actually that you that you quite kind of pulled me up on that. Is you you mentioned one thing, and I just want to kind of play devil devil's advocate for a second, where you say that you know moving of the joints is extremely important to essentially you know keep blood flowing in and out, and as we know, blood is a healer. Uh, you know, uh, when when a muscle is damaged, that's typically because there's not really enough blood moving in and out of that muscle and it's uh, being restricted in that respect. Um, but to me, that sounds like, you know, could maybe too much of that, isn't that what causes arthritis? Like, what's what's the situation with that? Well, I think because like, that's what I wanted to talk, like you mentioned there before about, and, and probably one of the other big concerns about going to a chiropractor is, is it safe? <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know if that's ever come up in any sort of questions that you've had from any listeners, but I, I think you, you did mention there before about, you know, one foul move um, on the spine and you can end up in a yeah. wheelchair, you know. Um, and I think that's probably is a, a bit of a common thought process, even as that person finally does pick up the phone and say, I want to make an appointment with your Cairo London group. They're probably sort of in the back of their mind there somewhere thinking that, is this safe? You know, um, and uh, so the, the the reality of the situation is there is sometimes some bad PR out there um, about the chiropractic profession. But when you actually look at the stats out there, it's an extremely safe um, process. Okay, um, pretty much maybe once a year or so you might get in the media a bit of a horror story of someone who was hurt by a chiropractor and they love those sorts of stories you know but i think if you look at the fine print oh, yeah. of things and especially if you care uh, like compare it to you know i mean i, I don't want to get on the sort of soapbox too much about this whole thing because it, it's sort of this is where chiropractors get in trouble over historically as well but I'm pretty sure the third leading cause of death within the US at the moment is inappropriate use of medication. My God, right. You know, and um, so, so relative to uh, the history of chiropractic, um, you know, it's, it's a pretty safe um, offering really. And especially when, as you know, we take the time to sort of investigate what's actually wrong um, and uh, then make sure we know what we're dealing with. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, sorry, please go ahead. No, I was just going to finish answering your question of like, so is too much of a good thing bad for you? 
there's also that that idea of you know when people go around clicking in the knuckles all the time and you're going to get arthritis from it okay so um the the opposite is true okay if your body if your any joint within the spine doesn't go through its full range of motion on a daily basis it develops arthritis oh my goodness okay right so the idea of and yes if you every 10 seconds crack your knuckles over the course of 30 years, there is definitely <laughs> some wear and tear. You're going to have to pay a price for that. Joints, yeah. right? um, but the reality is it's more of a problem when your posture is bad and your joints are not moving. Uh, the hip joint, I think, is the worst case for that, where people just sort of sit with their sort of hips flexed. Um, and you know over time it just loses its normal range of motion you know it's why i'm a big fan of yoga uh or sort of anything that encourages your body to go through its full range of motion uh that's a really good point that you br uh, bring up there i've got a fascinating episode coming out uh, in a couple of weeks with a guy called raganath capo um really really interesting guy i'll, s I'll send you his stuff uh, i think you'd really enjoy it he used to be a jujitsu uh, fighter an mma fighter Right, um, nice. And then he decided to, he was a friend of Joe Rogan, actually, uh, for a while. And um, he then decided to move to India and uh, he was opened up to the practices of yoga uh, as a lifestyle rather than as a um, trendy thing, which uh, I think it's very trendy to walk around with your cork yoga mat nowadays in London, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was before they closed them all down. Um, but anyway, we won't yeah. go into that. Mm, we won't yeah. we won't we, we won't step into that territory just yet uh, but um um it's 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 definitely very very interesting for me um and it makes perfect sense with regards to this kind of you know uh lack of movement within the joints it causes uh these issues this almost calcification effect within the joints um it's you know kind of like whenever you see a car that's been sitting around for a while and I really apologize for all these car analogies uh but you can tell what, what I'm into um, whenever you see a car uh, laying around in a driveway, you see its tires are just completely uh, deflated and it's just sitting on its on its rims, essentially. Uh, it doesn't look great, but you see a car that's exactly the same age that's been driven around regularly. Um, and it looks absolutely fine. Um, yeah. Maybe the owner hasn't even looked after it very well, but, you know, just use of your stuff, uh, including your body. Uh, within reason, of course. I mean, if you're if you're out there jumping off mountains and cliffs and stuff, you're obviously going to have an impact effect. Um, but I, I think that there is just this entire hole in healthcare with regards to just education of what you should do, what you should be careful of, and, and how people should live their lives. There was an interesting uh, AR representation um, of what humans would look like after 10 years of living a lockdown lifestyle. Have you seen that? Um, I'm assuming it's very similar to some of these things that I've seen and chiropractors love to do that posture thing, you know, where it goes from like ape, you know, all the way through to yes. a perfect human. It's kind of like a reverse of that. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it was even worse than that because it looked like something that had just come off the planet Zod. You know, it was it was really <laughs> scary. You know, the, yeah. the arms were hanging down, the shoulders were rotating forward, the rib cage had kind of extended. Um, we, we looked like these these goblins it was it was scary and you know it's funny because you look at these competitive gamers and stuff you know these guys who spend 20 22 23 24 hours 
you know, almost entire days uh, just sitting there in their chair, hunched over a gaming console, gaming like lunatics. And they yeah. kind of look like that. You know, yeah. they kind of look like it. Um, and my God, it's, 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 it's very, very scary. And I kind of wonder, thinking about these kind of extreme examples, what are some of the extraordinary cases that you've seen come in your, come in your clinics and you guys have been able to help these individuals? It's, it's um, the, the one that gets the most notice. And um, like I'm still practicing, even though not quite as much as I was uh, because of uh, I'm a bit busier kind of coordinating this group that we have now. Um, but literally earlier this year, right. I, had I, thought, this I thought you were surfing over. and cycling, mate. <laughs> <laughs> come on, let's be, let, let's be straight. Coordinating a group. What are you talking about? You're surfing and cycling, mate. You know, the audience can't see. You've got a perfect tan. You've got the most groomed beard I've ever seen on a human. You know, coordinating a group. Come off it. Yeah. Uh, You're living the life. From, I'm doing it from here. <laughs> Fantastic. What of you? What of you? Uh, yeah, sorry. I've just swung around and showed him the Falmouth Harbour. So, yeah, I'm uh, without sort of like geographically stamping this too much. Uh, you're in London. I'm in Cornwall. Yeah. But, um, yes. Beautiful. Uh, I, I, um, I announced I was going on sabbatical actually two years ago at the very start of the pandemic, right? And I said, right, I'm done All with right. practice. I'm going to coordinate the group. Um, there we go. Uh, and um, <laughs> off I went to Australia. Two weeks later, lockdown was on, and I went back to practice straight away to try and get in the, sort of the, the the trenches with everyone to sort of see our way through what it looked like providing this care in a in a pandemic. But um, yeah, man. and I still am sort of at it until recently. I've escaped to Cornwall, um, but yeah, I'm heading back to London soon. Um, however. Um, we digress there a little bit. What was the question again? Yeah, uh, it was the it was with regards to some of the most extraordinary cases that you've seen. Yeah, and you've That's managed right. to so help these individuals. Th there was um, the classic one, and this still, um, you know, is the person who comes into the clinic, right angles, bent over double, cannot stand up, um, struggles to lie face down even on the table because their butt sticking so high up in the air, and Jesus. Um, uh, like it's it's it doesn't happen that often because uh, I think these days um, people sort of take things uh, take action a bit sooner than before it gets to that point. But sometimes it just catches you off guard, um, and you have a particularly stressful lead up to sort of something. You're just ignoring all sorts of signals, and then all of a sudden your body's um, ability to cope um, turns right off. You know, and then you end up in this huge amount of pain. Um, My God, and you know. What's great about some cases like that is that if it is not too complicated, they can be turned around sometimes in two or three weeks and they are like running and dancing in the building um, after being able to only lie down on the back seat of the car and um, get someone to drive them into the clinic, you know. So oh they're those goodness. classic like, you know, you see people f four or five times and then they go from like, you know, total disability to a miracle cure, you know. So. Um, they're um, they're interesting. The other thing, the thing, the other cases I love coming in to see me are the ones that actually come in, right? And they come in, 
and they they come in with a neck pain, for example, right? So mm-hmm. um, they'll come in, they'll sort of have an inability to maybe move their neck, that sort of like classic neck pain where you can't then use your uh, range of motion of your of your neck properly. Um, then they just drop into conversation as you're asking them because that's motivated them to come in the door. But then yes. after you get chatting to them, they're like, oh, yeah, well, I do have one pretty horrendous migraine per month and sort of weekly headaches, tension headaches. Mm. Um, and I have, um, it's been not quite diagnosed, but some sort of irritable bowel syndrome thing going on at the same time. And my menstrual cycle is all over the shop, right? Um, I've got Mm. sort of period pains and like, I just get wiped out maybe around that same time. They're having migraines at the same time. Right. So it's a complicated case. However, then you start working with that person's spine. Um, you assess them for whether or not it's appropriate to have some care. You think it is. You start the process out. They're still really focused in on their neck. Um, and eventually the neck starts to move better again once you get the function restored to the neck. And then after maybe you've seen them for like six weeks, maybe it's taken a little bit of time to unravel that. And then they're like, you know what? I haven't had a migraine since I've actually been coming in here. You know, my God. Um, and actually, I did just have my period, my menstrual period, and it was like uh, not as painful as it normally is. You know, and my digestion appears to be a little bit better. You know, um, and this is the thing whereby I am not claiming, and chiropractors can't claim to be the cure-all for irritable bowel syndrome, right? Um, Indeed. However. Um, sometimes your spine and nervous system gets into such a state that it has a, a far-reaching impact on your entire health, okay? So, but that's the sort of person I love, that, that one where it comes in with uh, one goal and objective of better nerve function and they end up going through this entire overhaul and getting so many more benefits. Um, so, yeah. That, uh, that scenario that you just kind of laid out um, and I'll kind of, I'll, I'll mention this to you in a bit more detail once we finish recording, but I cannot tell you how familiar that sounds to me, in particular with my fiance. Um, <laughs> she had, she had an accident. Um, uh, she, uh, took a tumble down the stairs a couple of years ago, um, has been suffering from extraordinary neck pain, uh, ever since she, she's fine. She's got mobility, but sometimes she, what she sleeps in a weird way, she'll wake up. That is then, you know, followed with uh, IBS, which uh, the doctors have no idea what it could be. Um, uh, and and yeah, uh, it's it's extraordinary. And, you know, for me, you know, I've um, I've, I've had so many injuries in the past. My God, I, I, I can't even I, I can't even start to kind of list out uh, the, the, the the issues. Um, but it's it's amazing the connectivity of your body. And, and I think that's one thing that i've started to understand and if i was to if i was to be satisfied with one message that my audience were to take away from this from this conversation that we've had and i have to say this is probably up there with one of my favorite conversations i've had as of recently so i have to thank you for that um oh, thank you very kind is no 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 it's uh, my pleasure uh, but is that your body is intravenously connected with one another a a problem with your neck could lead to a problem with your digestive system and 
you know, a, a way that I've kind of explained it to myself is that if your brain is the CPU of your body, then the spine is the GPU. Um, and, you know, you need a very good quality version of both to effectively work at a high capacity. And as millennials, particularly millennials, I mean, there was a recent report that came out that millennials are now the highest percentage of homeowners in the UK and the US. Uh, people between the ages of 25 and 35 are now the highest percentage of homeowners, you know, because we are now being brought up in this environment where you can be tremendously successful in a wider ranging area of fields, particularly with the advancements of technology. I mean, look at us. You're in Cornwall. I'm in I'm in London. We're having a conversation, you know, uh, and we're doing it in a way that you wouldn't have been able to do it in previous generations. So, you know, where you have this extraordinary ambition, one of the things that hold people back so often because of this idea of you can sleep when you're dead, you know, this, this, this terrible, terrible mentality that people have, um, ambitious individuals, something that I was a victim of. I worked in hedge funding for a few years, uh, extremely toxic environment when it comes to your uh, health. It's very much, you know, work, work, work. And then when you die, continue to work. Um, that's the kind of uh, ethos that they have over there. Um, and it's this idea that, look, you know, just because you've got this one problem, you need to take care of everything else because everything's kind of linked. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think that's very, very interesting. And kind of as a final point, Craig, um, what would you say is the most common thing that you see coming in your clinics um, that maybe is is something that you would advise people that they could make slight lifestyle changes to help avoid those problems? Yeah. Uh, I, I think it, it's slightly changed uh, over the last few years, and I think especially recently, where, um, and, and maybe London-specific thing as well, but I, I think the most common thing that happens is more upper spine problems these days, okay? It's like neck, shoulders, headaches, neck pain, uh, posture-related problems to do with the upper part of the spine. And um, that is very much symptomatic of the, you know, the posture pandemic. Sorry to use mm -hmm. that phrase again. But oh, you've got, you got to do it. You've got to do it. Starting, though, from the kids, like, so you think about it, like we have, I've got a 13-year-old boy, and we didn't have, I remember my wife and I quite often talk about the fact that um, it was sort of 13 years ago, we didn't really, I think it was the first iPad was coming out about 13 years ago. Um, and so yeah. I think we 2010. had... The, there we go. So my son, yeah, it's 2007. So yeah, my daughter's 2009. So therefore, um, you know, my wife missed out on that ability to breastfeed and watch Netflix. <laughs> you right. know but i'm talking about not so much um breastfeeding mums i'm talking about um what impact that's having on the kids right so um 13 years my kids now growing up it's becoming a bit of a battle now to be able to make sure the devices are kept at bay especially during summer holidays um yeah good and man. um but the reality is most of their schooling is done on iPads and computers, especially they've been fortunate enough to have access to those things through um, when schools were closed. But 
Um, it's, it's where it begins is we, we haven't even seen the impact of that, right? So the kids haven't even, um, I guess maybe they're just starting to appear. The teenagers who in 2010 started iPad Life are now early 20s and they're the ones that are going to start coming into our clinics with these sorts of, like, Without getting too technical, the neck is meant to have what's called a cervical lordosis, which is a reversed curve of the neck, right? So when you look at someone sure. from the side, the neck should curve like a C shape, okay? Now, right. um, the really common posture change is where that disappears and the head rolls forward and the shoulders um, hunch, okay? Is that so called military neck? Well, military neck is where you have no lordosis, no curve whatsoever, Sure. right? And then the one worse than that is where the curve then reverses and a reversed cervical lordosis is where it Jesus. actually curves forward as opposed to curves backwards, right? So these are the sorts of things that are going to be coming in um, and have already started to arrive um, from, you know, worried parents and um, just just people with then, as I said, answer your question, an increasing amount of neck pain, posture problems, tension, the knock-on effect of that is headaches, the nerves that leave the very base of the skull go up towards the top of the head and the temple, um, and you end up with all sorts of potential headache problems associated with the neck. Um, so that's what is the most common presentation. Um, and what we can do about that, it's a really good point. You don't want to be sort of holding your phone up, thinking you're videoing everyone as you're walking around the place. Um, a good little uh, thing that I love to do, especially with kids, is to actually get people to lie on the floor and use their phone or their um, – lie on your tummy, right? Get your laptop on the floor, get your phone on the floor, and then just do the old thing where your neck's in the reverse position as you're lying on your elbows – looking at your phone that way, okay? Now, it's not a position you can actually last for very long in, but if you just do it every now and then, if you're on the bed or on the floor, it's a reversal of what is the normal sort of uh, posture that we're spending way too many hours in, okay? Um, the, the standing desk is another favourite of mine for those workers at home. Uh, the ability to be able to have, and you can get them really cheaply now. One of my sponsors, IKEA, if you're out there listening, IKEA, I'll be um, accepting any um, sponsorship <laughs> agreements. Send the check, um, guys. Come on. <laughs> they do a pretty cheap um, – well, in fact, they do. They do two. They do an electronic one, which is only about 450 quid, and a winding one, which is about 200 quid. Um, so there's no excuse for the home office to not have a standing desk. Um, but you can also um, – one of my other potential sponsors, Amazon – um, also do a standing desk that you do have to build yourself, but um, uh, they'll deliver one to the door, an electronic one for about 300 quid, right? So, um, or you just do the old fireplace, you get the bookshelf at the level of your, and the ideal is the idea of sort of having the screen at eye height and the elbows at sort of 90 degrees, you know? So you're not sure. too high up and you're creating more problems than you're solving. But even if you just sort of have an alternate situation where you're sat down doing some, you're standing up doing others, that's the biggest, um, you know, if you are computer use, uh, that's the biggest way to help change that and prevent that. And lastly, that thing I said earlier, every joint of the body should go through its full range of motion on a daily basis. That includes the neck. 
Okay, so just mm. look both ways, up and down, sideways. Um, do it maybe if you're having a shower every day. Just sort of go through a routine and just sort of um, has that as a little bit of a, a, a mental reminder trigger to try and change a bit of a, a, a habit of a lifetime. So, yeah. Yeah, there some really great advice there, actually. And I, I totally stand behind this uh, standing desk thing as well. I think it's I, it's something that's, uh, you know, changed my workflow. Absolutely. Um, and I, I just want to kind of finish on this point is and it's quite uh, quite interesting because. <laughs> the, have you heard of a guy called James Nestor? I have not. No. I would totally recommend. You know what? I will, I will send you his ebook. Um, uh, I'm trying to get him on the show. Um, what you're saying kind of reminds me of what he was saying about 20 years ago. I think it was about 20 years ago, anyway. And he was talking about the effect, the problems with children who breathe through their mouths, as opposed to breathing through their noses. Uh, and we have this entire generation of children who are now adults who have jaws that are back like that and you look at so many children out there you will see it in more than than uh, you know the majority of children are now be growing up with these recessed bottom jaws and it's because of this terrible habit that people are getting into in, at the at the level of children where they breathe through their mouths as opposed to their noses and what's that what that does is it destroys the uh, skeleton structure in your jaw and in your your orbital structure around your cheeks uh, everything it moves it in the wrong way and it causes a crowded mouth uh, you know smaller nostrils which uh, you know ruins your your ability to be able to hold on to oxygen in your lungs really really big problems um, and now people are starting to recognize that adults are starting to stop breathing through their mouths breathing through their nose and they notice a change in the structure in their in their jaw shape and everything it's amazing um so i, th I think for parents out there who are listening to this you know really take note of what of what craig just said because you know if it's going to affect anyone it's going to affect children it's going to affect them really quickly with regards to their their uh, their neck development and spine development um and all that sort of stuff and i I have been very vocal about my worry of this current generation um, because of how sedentary their lifestyles are with how how they are born with the iPad in their in their lap, essentially. Mm. Um, it's uh, it's it's scary stuff. But I think if people integrate these kind of lifestyle changes, um, some of these very simple things that you've just mentioned, I think people will live healthier, fuller, less painful lives. Um, mm. And like I said, I. I mean, I've I've never had, and this is this is a bit disingenuous of me to be completely honest. I've never had a chiropractic adjustment. I've never been to a chiropractor. I have been um, admiring from afar the same way that an individual thinks they've been to Italy after reading a Charles Dickens novel. Um, you know, so it's it's kind of a similar situation with me. But you know, from the research that I've done, it's clear to me that everyone should be visiting a chiropractor once or twice a year. Um, get a little checkup done. Um, I started the conversation with a question, is chiropractor, is visiting a chiropractor safe? But I didn't even bother asking that question after you went through the motions with me, after you said, no, this is what we do. You know, these are the regulations. We take x-rays. We do this. We do that. We get it checked by this person, that person. It's a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. And, um, you know, I really, I, I, I can really see a lot of value in, in this conversation for a lot of people out there. 
uh, neck and spine pain is is rife right now. So, you know, for you to dedicate some of your time with me today, I have to say it's uh, I really appreciate it. No, well, thank you for having me on, and thank you. I, I think it's good that you cleared up the fact that you haven't even been to a chiropractor yet, but you're, you're already like speaking like an advocate to uh, to the profession, and you haven't even been on the table, you know, because maybe people were assuming that you were a regular at one of our clinics or that sort of a thing, anyway. But it sounds like to me, it interprets as a, as being. It just makes sense to you, the idea of um, visiting a chiropractor. You just haven't actually gotten around to doing it yet. Uh, so we'll have, to, we'll have to make that happen for you and what sounds like your girl, your fiancé. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be very, very kind. I really appreciate that, Craig. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be really cool. And, you know, I have to say, like I say, whenever, before I get into anything, I do a tremendous amount of research. And that's why I started this podcast, because I was driving the people around me insane by constantly yammering on about the same thing for months. Um, so, you know, I'm, 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 I'm grateful I have the platform. I'm grateful you decided to uh, spend some of your time with me today. And I'm extremely excited to spend more time with you in the future as well. So, you know, I have to say thank you so much for your time, Craig. It's really been an absolute pleasure. Like I said, one of my favourite episodes I've done so far. Um, you're a lovely person and... Uh, yeah, I love what you're doing. So congratulations on building a fantastic business and with the right reasons as well, which is very rare. Yeah, well, thank you, Omar, for having me on. All the best with the pod. Mm-hmm.